and welcome to Ook, the Book Club for Discworld readers. I'm Kaylee Love. And I'm River Lewis. How are you going, River? I'm doing pretty great. Pretty excited. Yeah, me too, me too. I'm happy to be reading all the Discworld books again. Yeah, yeah. This is this is my second time through. Um, it's it, 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 it it's a journey. It's it's really great. It sure is. I think this is my fourth read from the beginning. I think. I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. How about we introduce ourselves? So I'm Kaylee. Um, I like uh, <laughs> long strolls on the beach. <laughs> no, uh, you don't. <laughs> I like the beach though. Yeah, me too. I love the beach. Hi, I'm Kaylee. I love the beach. What about you? Uh, I also like the beach. I'm a baker in training. Yeah. Uh, so. That's my that's my hobby and my future job, hopefully. Yeah! Maybe you can combine those two things and uh, be... Sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say just make sandy bread, but that's way funnier. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so you said you've read uh, all the Discworld books once, is that right? Or twice? Yes. Just to let everybody know, this is a real book club. Uh, so if you haven't done so, go and read the book. Just just pause this right now and go read it. Don't yeah. worry, we'll wait. We'll wait. Okay? And you're back. Oh, back. wow. How was it? What a book, huh? How'd you like it? What a journey. It. If you didn't like it, it's okay. The first one is a bit weird. Stick with it. By book three, you'll be in. Trust yeah. Me. Trust ab- me. Absolutely. Now, getting back to what you were asking, River. Yes. I am, this is my second run through. So the first time I went through, I read all the books. Um, I got them on e-reader format and I read them over the course of several months. It took me about a year. Oh yeah. This time through though, I thought I'd listen to the audiobooks because uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Nigel Planer, oh. who's, who does the voices in this one. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just way more convenient for me in my day-to-day life. Yeah, Nigel Planer's reading of the books is such a treat. I listen. I actually read all of them on audiobook the first few times. This is my first time reading them all on paper. Mm, mm. So, I mean, apart from the Tiffany Aching books, which weren't available on audiobook at the time, the last couple. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so, so that's where we're at. That's how we're doing this thing. So, so I guess every <laughs> week I'll be listening to the audio. Every week. Oh my, that's going to be a lot of work. Maybe every couple of weeks. Maybe fortnightly. We'll see how we go. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll be listening to the audiobook version, and River, you'll be reading. Is that right? That's right. I'll be reading the the books, um, and it gives me a pretty good excuse to buy more of them. I've got a a decent collection up at the moment, but I haven't got all of them. It's not perfect yet, and it needs to be perfect. I'd love to have them all on hardback. Oh, wow. Okay, so... Color of Magic, overall thoughts, what did you think? Uh, good book. Quite enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like... Uh, okay, podcast over. Yeah, that's it. That's our <laughs> review. It's alright. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> I feel like Color of Magic has a lot of Hitchhiker's Guide energy. Yeah, it's that absurdist humour. Yeah. Um, which I, I I think is one of the real, the hardest things to write is, is absurdist humour. Um, a lot of people try and sort of fall short. Um, there's very few people that I I just absolutely admire who do absurdist humour well, and the two I can think of as most prominent are absolutely Terry Pratchett and Douglas Adams. How about Welcome to Night Vale? Nah, that's... 
if you're a Night Vale listener, um, by the way, uh, I really enjoy Night Vale too. We should talk. <laughs> Look me up. Hit, hit, hit me up in the email at ookpod at gmail.com. Speaking of our email address, yeah. um, we would love if our listeners sent in their reviews. Keep them short, guys. Send in your reviews uh, of the books as you read them along with us. Yeah. Our email address is ookpod, that's O-O-K-P-O-D, at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at ookpod on Twitter. Obviously. Yeah, so if you want to talk about things, uh, share different opinions, uh, because I'm, I'm not going to lie, we're huge Discworld fans. This is not an unbiased podcast. Oh, no. We're, we're Discworld stands. Like, <laughs> uh, my review of every book is five out of five loved it. Yeah, absolutely. So, so if, you, if you have comments, thoughts, ideas, send them through. Yeah. But es- especially reviews. We want your reviews because we want to read your reviews and share them with the world. Yeah. So for the first episode, I just grabbed a couple of reviews off uh, Goodreads. Ooh! Um, there was a lot of really long-winded up-themselves reviews on there, so I just picked a couple of snippets here. Mm. Um, the first one is a review by someone named Zitong Ren. They rated it three stars, and their review in its entirety reads, This was honestly the weirdest thing I've ever read. Uh, and that has 45 likes, so I guess it's a good... I mean, it's a good review. It's a weird book. <laughs> the weirdest thing you've ever read, though. I mean, it, it, it's... I'm not going to lie. It's weird. It's got stuff like the luggage in it. That's that's pretty weird. But the weirdest thing you've ever read... What What's the weirdest thing you think you've ever read? Oh, uh, I have no idea. Yeah, I, I see, I've read a lot of Lovecraft. Oh, yeah. Um, So... Yeah, there's there's different kinds of weird, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't tell you the weirdest thing I've ever read. Mm. Oh, uh, maybe Rant by Chuck Palahniuk. Yeah, that's the weirdest thing I've ever read. Yeah, <laughs> this, guy, yeah. this guy clearly hasn't read Rant. Yeah, go read Rant if you want to read read mm. something really weird. Yeah, time uh, travel through car accidents, and like getting bitten by snakes on purpose and. All kinds of weird shit. Anyway, off the topic. Yeah. I've got another review here. This review is by Scott. Um, Scott wrote an extremely long and in-depth review, but here's the beginning of it. So it's a four-star review. Yeah, four stars. Are you looking for a book about a frustrated, incompetent wizard loser guiding a tourist around a world comprised of a flat disc sitting on a turtle's back, a gigantic turtle that flies through space? Well, look no further. The Color of Magic is your ticket. You know what? I was looking to read a book about exactly that. Yeah. And I was not disappointed. I love the concept of the the shape of the disc. Great Artu and the Turtle, the four elephants, the disc on its back. It just makes sense. The, how, how, does, how does that make sense? It just... someone If someone told you that's the shape of the world and you didn't know any better, you'd sort of go, eh. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I can see the horizon from here. Yeah, clearly it's disc shaped. Turtles are flat. <laughs> turtles are flat. Turtle, turtles turtles aren't could carry. I mean, flattish. Flattish <laughs> animal. They could carry a disc around. That makes sense. Elephants are strong. They could hold up a disc. It how makes does, perfect sense. How does the disc rotate? That's what I want to know. 
How does the planet how does planet Earth rotate? The planet Earth isn't isn't touching the back of any giant animals like the disc is, but yet the disc still rotates. And that's where magic comes from. Okay. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. All right, let's discuss the the sections in the book. So we've got a few sections in this mm. book, which is broken up not into chapters but into like short stories sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So we've got um, a prologue, which sort of sets up the book itself. Mm-hmm. Um, then we've got the color of magic, the sending of eight, the lure of the weirm, and close to the edge. I really love the prologue. I love the discussion of the seasons. Yeah, that's so that's when we first get into the idea that there's eight of lots of things on the disc. Yeah, eight colors, yeah. eight seasons. And I guess you can figure out mathematically, like by the logic of if there was a disc world it would have eight seasons but i i don't know i don't know about that that was just sort of suggested in the notes but okay i love the names of the seasons okay i, I have we have to discuss them right <laughs> okay. so we've got beginning at hogs watch night we have uh-huh. spring prime yep then um first summer sure autumn prime yep winter secundus mm. also called spindle winter then we've got Secundus Spring, mm-hmm. Summer 2. Summer 2, <laughs> Electric Boogaloo. And then we have Backspindle Winter. Backspindle Winter. Yeah. That's three winters. Because it wasn't there Winter Secundus and... It's like the first one. Also known as Spindle Winter, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I just love Summer 2. <laughs> They couldn't come up with a good name. It's a great name. <laughs> it makes me think of the um, the ghost in Pac-Man. There's like Inky, Winky, Blinky, and like Bob or something. Clyde. Oh, close, <laughs> close enough. Same shit. Like <laughs> just that setup of making you think it's gonna be like Summer Secundus or something like that, and it's just Summer Two. <laughs> just, it just gets me. It's just so good. <laughs> All right. Uh, what did you think of? Um, the the first little novella, The Color of Magic. I really liked the whole um, telling a story from starting it in the middle. Yeah. Um, it's, so the story starts where, like, uh, Ankh-Morpork is burning, and, and it's just these <laughs> just these two guys just sort of casually... Betting on what's going to be- explode. Yeah, be- betting on what exploded and waiting for passers-by to come so they can see who won what bet. <laughs> I thought that was very, very funny. Yeah, so that's the one in which... Two flower rocks up in Ankh-Morpork, and Rincewind is is told by the patrician, "You you gotta you gotta make sure he lives." Yeah, and then the patrician sends assassins after him, which is just fantastic. <laughs> Wait, because the... <laughs> the patrician gets two letters from the Agatean Empire, right? The first one is from the emperor, who's young, yeah, and who's like, "Make sure Two Flower lives," and then he gets another one pretty soon after on the same day from the Grand Vizier. <laughs> who's just like things should stay in their place Kidding. oh wow yeah wow <laughs> i'd kind of miss that in this listening did you have a favorite part in color of magic uh yeah yeah it had to be the description just the description of two flower the being called two flower it was smart <laughs> and skinny and dressed very odd- oddly in a pair of knee-length breeches and a shirt in such violent and vivid conflict of colors that Weasel's fastidious eye was offended, even in the half-light. I love that he's wearing shorts and a Hawaiian shirt. 
<laughs> and people just can't with him. They're just like, yeah. no, no. Why do you have four eyes? What's yeah. with that second pair of eyes? They've never seen glasses before. Yeah. Just all that stuff. Oh, I really liked that. Um, so there was that, and there was also Blind Hugh, who's clearly not blind. Yeah, no, it's it's described that he can see stuff. I th- it's just a nickname. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's just it's just a, a a smart title to have if you're in the biggest guild. Yeah, blind you, Hugh. Oh, yeah, definitely give him more money for yeah. being blind. I guess Poxy Molly, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, my, <laughs> it's just a name. Yeah, it's just the name. name. My favorite bit was the bit where um, Rincewind is left alone with the luggage who wants Rincewind's help. Yeah, and uh, the luggage allows Rincewind to prop it open with a board. I've got a little quote here. The luggage gave a little creak, attracting his attention. With a lazy air of calculated menace, it shut its lid slowly, grinding Rincewind's impromptu wedge like a dry loaf. <laughs> and that's after Rincewind takes something out of the luggage. I love that the luggage, like, you know, let him take something out and then just sort of like, hey, look at this. <sighs> yeah, no, this is. I didn't even have to get like a run up for this this effort. This is just my. <laughs> this is just pure raw strength. Yeah, breaking like, your little stick. I, I could have crushed you at any point, <laughs> yeah. and I chose not to. <laughs> I love the luggage. It's so mindlessly nasty. Yeah, I guess the other part of the color of magic that uh, really tickled me was just how baffled everyone was about um, the concept of a tourist. Yeah, and how and how Two Flower has just created this <laughs> this whole <laughs> this whole thing. It's like I oh, just wrote up a phrase book, and he's using this phrase book even though he he speaks more Porkian. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. No, he speaks Batrobi, which Rincewind speaks. Oh, okay, that's why he hires Rincewind like as an interpreter. Okay, as I'm, I'm confusing myself a bit with with, <laughs> with the live action version, which I also uh, saw recently. Yeah. In that, he speaks more Porkian. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> everyone's everyone's so baffled from it. They think he's talking out of this magic book. It tells him what to say. It tells him what to say. And then there, there's the patrician trying to understand what Two Flowers all about. It's like, well, what? What do you, does has he come to Ankh-Morpork for? And they're like, it appears he wishes to look at it. <laughs> yeah, I love, there's a, there's a little bit later where Rincewind is trying to figure out what the word tourist means, and he decides it means idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think most people would agree. Yeah. Um, oh my goodness. What's this I'm looking at right now? What? It's yeah. Looks like some kind of whirling portal in a color I've never seen. <laughs> wow, it's a real shame we're not um recording this on camera. It's a shame this is an audio medium. This is amazing. Yeah, this is incredible. I've never seen anything like it. And oh, a piece of parchment just came out. Whoa. Oh. Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you. Um, I actually arranged to get sponsors for the podcast. Oh wow. Yeah. I, How'd you um, do that? I wrote to the wizards at UU and they set up this portal for us. Um, uh, looks like they've just sent through our first sponsorship message. Okay. Um, so I thought I'd read it out. Here we go. This episode, Ook would like to thank Unseen University for sponsoring our podcast. UU has asked us to read the following message to any wizards, witches, spellcasters, sorcerers, and magic users listening. You know that number between seven and nine? Four plus four? It's best that you don't have much to do with it. 
Since you're already close to magic, even saying mm, 3 plus 5 can draw his attention. So don't mention twice 4 if you can avoid it, or else you'll be 8 up. Then it says, haha, just my little joke. Oh bugger, I can't believe I said 8. And then the symbols this message is written in get pretty wriggly. So I'm just gonna, just gonna put this down. Okay, that was weird. I guess we're a sponsored podcast. Yep. Good to know. I gave them that one for free for setting up the portal for us. Okay. We've got it all here on Ook. <laughs> um, so I, I guess what they're referring to in this message when they say his attention would be um, Belshamharoth. Yes, right. Our good Lovecraftian horror spidery octopus friend. Who features in The Sending of Eight. This is where, watched by gods and goddesses, who are of course betting and interfering with matters, <laughs> Rincewind and Two Flowers stumble into a temple of Belshamharoth. Do and you like a... the gods in Discworld? I, I love them. <laughs> I think I think they're a lot of fun. When I was a little kid, I saw was it Wrath of the Titans, the original. That's that's where I first got introduced to that concept of the gods standing around a game board and yeah. playing with people. And I've all that I've always loved that idea of the gods as just playing games with us. And so, Kaylee, which god would you worship? If you were on the disc. Offla, the crocodile god. I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> I, it's not really mentioned in The Color of Magic, but Offla, like, he has very low requirements. <laughs> you just bring some sausages to the temple every week. They cook them and eat them. <laughs> Easy as. He eats the ghost of the sausages. Like, that's why he's so successful, right? Is because yeah. it's so easy to worship him. Like, he doesn't require much. Just some sausages. And you, get to, and you get to eat the sausage. The priests eat the sausages. Oh, sorry. The priests <laughs> eat the sausages. Right. <laughs> so you get to feed the priests and be surrounded by the wonderful smell of sausage. Too easy. Yeah, easy. absolutely. Sign me up. What a great god. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I love his um, lisp. <laughs> as, as he's, it's it's odd in this. It's described as he is is hindered in his speech by his tusks. Aren't there like those Aztec style crocodile gods that sort of has have tusks? Oh, I think maybe he's slightly he's got, based on that. Yeah, he's got like big sort of tusky teeth coming. Yeah, out. yeah. Um, <laughs> that reminds me of uh, one of my favorite parts from this section. I I think it was this section. Um, the the gods are playing dice <laughs> and. Uh, the lady rolls a five, a six, and a seven. <laughs> and and Offla says, play fair. <laughs> play fair. <laughs> so the, my, on my first read-through of this series, it didn't, like, catch me that the lady is Lady Luck. Yeah, yeah, okay. No, I, I, I think I picked up on that pretty, no, pretty just, quickly. just passed me by. Whoosh. Yeah, it just went over my head. Whoosh. But yeah, like, the description of her is, uh, she doesn't like the rattling of rosary beads, but she does like the clicking of dice. <laughs> she can be found in gambling houses, but if you say her name, she'll disappear. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, like... How did the... I, I don't know how I didn't pick it up, but if you mm. didn't, don't feel too bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I guess it's like jinxing and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you talk about luck, you know, you... Yeah, you've ruined it. You've, you've ruined, ruined your it. luck. Yeah. <laughs> River, what's next? Oh, we have the next book was the lure of the Weirm. The lure, the lure of the Weirm. This is where Rincewind, Two Flower, and Hrun the Barbarian find an upside down mountain 
called the Wiermberg. The Wiermberg. <laughs> it's too fun to say. <laughs> um, so the Wiermberg is home to riders of imaginary dragons. The dragon lady, Liesa, wishes to marry Hrun, but she has tests for him. Mm. This story, A, for me, it has dragons, so it's a winner. And B, there's so many extremely funny moments in it. Do you want to clarify on, like, one? The tests for Hrun, yeah. right? So the first test is Liesa, he's asleep, and Liesa throws a knife at him and he just catches it. <laughs> right, Wakes yeah. up and catches it. Yeah. And um, the second test... The second test is uh, he has to fight her brothers and win. Okay. And by win, you mean not die? Kill them, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. The brothers, Liesa's brothers, chose what weapon they were going to use, and they chose dragons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Huan didn't have a weapon. Mm. And on the third test, Liesa says, you know, it's time for the third test, and Huan says, am I to be weaponless again? <laughs> and Liesa drops her robe that she's wearing, Ooh. and underneath she is naked except for like a fortune in jewelry and liesa says i think not Ooh. Ooh. that's so funny and so the, what's the third test is we're, good, we're gonna do yeah. it how good can you fuck <laughs> that's the test that's a very important test <laughs> and at that precise moment Rincewind rescues run no <laughs> Impeccable comic timing. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. And the the other part that I found really funny was inside the Wyrm, where where everyone is walking around upside down on the ceiling with hook boots. Yeah. And it's described as you know there's men and women walking around. None of them are wearing very much except for like leather straps. Yeah. And it's described as um, being upside down doing interesting things <laughs> to the women's anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, Ritzman's just having a bit of a perv and just sort of like... <laughs> I have another funny bit here that just cracked me up. Yep. Here's the quote. Ritzman tried to force the memory out of his mind, but it was rather enjoying itself there, terrorizing the other occupants and kicking over the furniture. <laughs> I love the concept of a thought so nasty that it's sentient and it's fucking up your brain on purpose. Yeah, it's just running riot around there. Yeah, it's having too much fun. Oh, kicking oh over your mental furniture. <laughs> I loved the dragons in this. Oh yeah, the imaginary imagine dragons. Imagine dragons. <laughs> I loved how Two Flower has enough imagination to conjure up a really good one. Yeah. Because he's always believed in dragons. He's just, uh, yeah, he's just so lovely. Just everything about him. He's just pure positivity at all times. He's and, a real romantic. Oh, we could, all, we could all do well to be more like Two Flower. Yeah. Just pure unbridled enthusiasm yes. for everything that's going on all Absolutely. the time. I mean, maybe we need a little more caution. And Two Flower, who, when he's kidnapped, is just sort of like, oh, we're getting on pretty well. I'm going to explain insurance. <laughs> oh my goodness, the portal's opening again. Oh, there it is. Hey, do you want to oh. read this one out? Okay, yeah, I can, I can read this one. What do we have here? Okay, this one is from the, it says, the newly established Ankh-Morpork... Uh, tourism department now oh this could use some um this could use some special effects so could you could you just gently in the background river yeah could you just make the sound 
of the the rolling ocean. Just that's good. Maybe chuck a couple gulls in there. From yeah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Feeling adrift in life. Feeling like you've lost your way. Horizon literally getting smaller at an alarming rate. Visit the circumference. See beautiful car. Find unique opportunities. Contribute to science. Okay, that's all that's, it has. That's all we've got? Yeah. Alright, so uh, everybody uh, visit the circumference today. I'm not sure how much tourism... Actually, I guess they make quite a lot of profit out of the circumference. Yeah. <laughs> I so, guess we're getting ahead of ourselves, but yeah. The oh, circumference this... uh, mm. is straight out of Close to the Edge. Oh, that was a great section. I love the water troll. Mm, mm. I love that he's got a case of chronic tides, which makes him shorter and taller. Yeah. Do you think the fish that live inside him are like his pets? Mm, well, maybe they're like gut flora. Or fauna, gut fauna. <laughs> there is gut fauna. They just, I they just help. Could, I guess you could think of the like bacteria that live in your in, your intestines as pets. I don't, but you can. <laughs> Thanks, I will. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have a favorite bit in um close to the edge? I think it was just before close to the edge when they were falling. Yeah. And suddenly, Rincewind found himself in an airplane. Oh. And, okay, yeah. And, and it had such it had really great descriptions of things like his legs were stuffed into cloth tubes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think uh I think Nigel Planer um pronounced his name like Rinsvand or something. Rinsvand. Rinsvand. Yeah, and and so so we got an idea that um and this has been touched on throughout the book already a little bit that there's multiple universes um, and the reason that the Discworld exists is because there has to be stuff on both sides of a probability curve. Yeah, and some <laughs> places are more probable than others. Yeah, so so Rincewind, Rincewind finds himself in his version of uh, a dragon, which is, is much more sensible when you think about it. But by disc logic, is ab- still absolutely bananas. I mean, imagine finding yourself in a metal tube hurling itself through the air yeah. and being told... To sit down and give him peanuts. <laughs> yeah, that's that that section is very Douglas Adams, I think. Of yeah, just like yeah. The sudden, the sudden jump to a different reality in mm. which everything is just turned on its head. Yeah, yeah, it's the uh, infinite improbability drive. Yeah, I think that was a really good reference to that. And so yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say that's my favorite part. Um, there From was also Lure of the Wyrm. Oh, that's from Lair of the Wyrm. Yeah, and I guess because we found out the water troll. Uh, yeah. It turned out he was from space, right? Yeah, he's from a different planet. And he used to be a comet? Well, yeah, well, he, he was a water troll on his planet. Yeah. And he fell off, and he hurtled, he froze in space, yeah. and he turned into, you know, a comet. So brilliant. I, I thought that was, a, that was a really beautiful idea, and, like, t- taking the idea of an elemental and putting it somewhere, you, somewhere unexpected. Yeah. That you can create something really unique. Like, what fantasy story have you ever heard of? a troll in space or yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um one of my favorite parts of close to the edge or concepts in close to the edge yeah. was the hydrophobes 
<laughs> There's wizards that are trained on birth from de- on dehydrated water <laughs> <laughs> to loathe water. Yes. And they just, like, repel it in every direction. It's fantastic. Yeah. I love the, the image of them on this lens where they're all looking through it with this, this look of utmost terror on their face above the water and shooting across the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, just being so scared of water that it stays away from you. Yeah. It's, that's very funny. <laughs> that's very funny. Oh, and we get uh, the meeting between the lady and Rincewind. I really like that. I like that the lady gave Rincewind this opportunity with the frog to rescue something so totally helpless and pathetic. Yeah. And he does. And... You know, that's sort of the only reason why she's able to rescue him in the same way. It's because he's such a beautiful, kind soul that he proved himself worthy. Yeah, or, you know, one good turn deserves another. If if he's willing to rescue something totally miserable. (laughs) Totally miserable and helpless, like he is. Yeah, I mean, to the lady, he's a miserable little toad. I mean, to a lot of people. To most people, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you have some, like, favourite standout bits from the whole book? From the whole book. I think my favourite standout bits from the book were just... And anytime Rincewind is explaining to Flower <laughs> to people, or, like, giving... Like, insulting him in, in Betrobi, or... <laughs> Oh, the insult! <laughs> the insult that he thinks up to describe Two Flower is so funny. Like the concept of like the Betrobi are such a happy little people that they can't really swear very well, <laughs> so they he has to come so, up with the most bizarre insult. And they have to be so wordy. And yeah, in in the first section, he describes him as sort of I think it's someone who in a thunderstorm would stand in a copper uh, in a bowl of water in copper armor shouting all gods are bastards <laughs> which is a translation of the Batrobi insult <laughs> that he uses on him <laughs> i mean it's just so brilliant it's very funny um one of my favorite bits was the luggage just trampling a direct line across the map like yeah. through the ocean over the islands just destroying shit in its way interdimensionally apparently like i don't think it's actually described anywhere in the book but you get the sense that at some point he he had to have traveled through dimensions to keep up with them (laughs) probably and he just did yeah so i love the descriptions of the luggage yeah um so we have in close to the edge the chest rose up on dozens of what could only be legs (laughs) and turned to face the arch astronomer a perfectly ordinary if somewhat large wooden chest does not, of course, have a face with which to face, but this one was definitely facing. (laughs) In precisely the same way as he understood that, the arch-astronomer was also horribly aware that this perfectly normal box was in some indescribable way narrowing its eyes. (laughs) (laughs) I I love the descriptions of the luggage. Like, so many times people sort of say like it had no eyes but it was looking at me Mm. just the way it's so very sapient it's so very alive yeah it's an inanimate object but it's not it's an animate object oh yeah i love the 
like they never really at least in this book never really describe what the legs look like they leave it up to your imagination thousands of tiny little feet is the description i got yeah but it could be any feet it doesn't necessarily have to be human feet yeah the first time i read it because it's not described in the book and i didn't have the the gorgeous cover to base my imaginings on yeah um, which has little human legs yes i sort of imagined little wooden legs oh Okay, that's that's an interesting concept, yeah. It's a wooden chest. Makes sense, yeah, it absolutely. It has a wooden tongue. Yeah, I, I guess um, I always pictured it with uh, human feet, but I, my first introduction to Discworld was the video game. Uh, and the luggage is, you know, a really good feature in video <laughs> games, so yeah. he just works really well as the player inventory. Yeah. And he's got those tiny little human feet. Yeah, I, I think canonically it does have like human looking feet yeah i think it's described later as having little pink feet oh okay and having like soft little slapping sounds as it walks which probably <laughs> oh wouldn't goodness. probably wouldn't be the same if it oh. was wooden oh that would be sick it would just be hearing <laughs> just little clap 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 <laughs> rushing down the cobblestones towards you Let's do some of our segments, our regular segments. Regular segment time! Are you going to do that every time? Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> okay, first up, best pune. Best pune. Now, what is a pune? Uh, so, a pune is obviously a play on words. A play on words, so... That's, um, what, it's, that's what it stands for. P, lay, u, un, n, e, words. That sounds about right. Yep, moving on. <laughs> okay. Um, a lot of the books have a lot of really good punes mm. um, moving forward. Um, but Color of Magic, I think, has two really standout punes. Uh, my favourite was The Reflected Sound of Underground Spirits, yeah. which is a translation from the Agatean phrase, Echo gnomics that's that's echo gnomics like gnome like gnomes yeah if i recall reflected sound of underground spirits yeah. so gnomes okay. yeah so good it just it's such a funny pun it's a lot of fun it's a thinker <laughs> speaking of thinkers uh my best pune um so i've read all the discworld books and it wasn't until you explained this to me. So this actually isn't a pun that's like explained in the book. Yeah. But I, I talked to you about it. And I'm like, what's the deal? <laughs> Just like that. Yeah, with my Jerry Seinfeld voice. What's the deal with the broken drum? And you, you explained, it can't be beat. <laughs> and I lost it. I've been reading Discworld for so long. I've known about the broken drum, and that never occurred to me. And you told me it's it's in Strata, which apparently was uh, what Terry wrote before this. I've not read Strata. Yeah, so Strata is sort of like the unofficial prequel to Discworld. It's not set on the disc. Hmm. It doesn't have anything to do with the Discworld. You don't have to read Strata to get it. I read Strata after my first full read-through of the series. Yeah. You know, it explains the whole broken drum pun, and it just cracked me up. <laughs> I was just like, that's such a good pun. I mean, yeah, <laughs> the broken drum's in so many books, and I'd never gotten it. And oh, it just... It's a drum after this, right? 
Yeah, is there a pun on that, or is that just... No, I think it's just sort of like, it burned down. It burned down and they mended it, so now it's the mended drum. (laughs) Which is also very funny. Yeah. Kind of like the king's head. Oh. Sorry, the king's neck tavern. Exactly. We'll get we'll get there. Don't worry, <laughs> listener. We'll get there. Um, okay, let's get to who is your MVP, most valuable player in this book? You go first. Okay, so for me, an MVP is someone who carries the book, makes me want to keep reading, and makes me laugh. Yes. For me, the luggage. 100%. The luggage is so funny and just... Its personality is so set from the beginning. Like a lot of other characters, their personality or their appearance changes over time. Luggage, boom. It's just like the the concept of this mindless box, which is just a pure force of malice and violence. (laughs) Making a pure line across the disc and trampling anyone in its way. It's got to get from A to B and it doesn't want to take the the long way and all the people who think about getting on the wrong side of the luggage i think it was rincewin thinking about getting on the wrong side of the luggage and then having to run away and no matter how far he goes he has to sleep (laughs) and it just catches up the luggage does not sleep while he sleeps it catches up And he, and the, the, his, his imagination of, you know, being in some exotic city 10 years from now and just hearing slap, 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 slap coming oh up behind him. God, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kaylee, who was your MVP? Okay, this is a bit of a weird one. Yeah. But because I listened to the audiobook, I'm going to say for this book, my MVP is Nigel Planer for his amazing voice acting. Yeah. And just the choices that he made with some of the things he was given. There's this one bit, uh, you explained it to me, it was written as dot dot dot. It was just an ellipsis. And Nigel Planer... That bit was so good. Yeah, Nigel Planer um, pronounces it, it's Rincewind is his saying it, he's saying dot dot dot. And Nigel Planer pronounces it as... And I just thought that was very funny. Yeah. And just all of his amazing voices. Rincewind is such a gloomy Gus. Yeah. And then he's got such great characterizations for for all of the people. Hrun the Barbarian sort of talks like this. And (laughs) (laughs) whereas Rincewind talks like... Oh, here's the luggage. Oh, dear. Oh, here it comes. I'd hang myself, but it wouldn't work anyway. Yeah, and then Two Flower Flower is just amazingly chipper. Just, oh, hello, I'm Two Flower. What's your name? (laughs) And uh, just just everything. He's He's so in it for the whole entirety of this. I recommend if you haven't heard the audiobook version, even if you've read the book a thousand times, Listen to the audiobook version. Yeah, it's it really is an funny. amazing way to enjoy this book. So there's a bit where Two Flower first lands on the docks. Yeah. And he's quoted as saying, uh, speech mark, question mark, speech mark. Yeah. How does Nigel Planer tackle that? Do you remember? <laughs> I don't. I, I wasn't reading along, so... Maybe, actually, maybe he just actually like... no, no, no. Um, no, He goes... Eh? <laughs> <laughs> And then there's another bit where he just it's says more, it's exclamation more... mark. Uh. <laughs> I love that. Just the 
Like it gets exactly across the um, the experience of having someone ask you a question in a language you don't understand. Yes. All you're getting out of it is question mark. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's a really clever piece of writing, and we're just getting started. I yeah. Mean, Terry gets so much better after this book. Yeah. Now. Yes. One of our next running segments is going to be themes and takeaway messages, and I think that will be more relevant later. I feel like this book was more of a send up of. Um, the pulp fantasy that was going around at the time. Yeah. So I'm not sure how deep a, a theme we can get out of here or takeaway messages. It's yeah, it's just sending up a lot of stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Really. Economics is a bit of a theme. A uh, change, I guess, is a bit of a theme. There's that there's that bit where the patrician goes, uh, he's trying to explain why using false coinage is bad. Oh. And he goes. If we all had gold, what would happen? And Rinsun's like, we'd be rich. <laughs> and the patrician's just like, no, that's not how it works. And oh no, the patrician doesn't say anything. He just lets the room fill with chill. <laughs> chill energy. <laughs> just staring at Rincewind. Yeah. And I like the, the, the pseudoscience. There's always a lot of um, science that's been converted into the disc. Yeah. Into the disc world. And in this one, um, for example, the color of magic is perceived by wizards because in addition to the normal cones and rods, they have octagons <laughs> <laughs> for detecting octarine. I love all the different octa thingies. <laughs> like there's octogen. Yeah. Octiron. Octiron. Yep. <laughs> I love the description of if you have a needle made of octiron, you'll never be lost because it will always point to north, and it will miraculously darn your socks. <laughs> <laughs> just little bits like that just get me. Yeah. <laughs> Magical chemistry. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Overall, your favorite part of the whole book. My favourite part of the whole book. Yeah. Gee, I don't know, River. Maybe you should go first. Okay. My favourite part of the whole book is um, Two Flowers' observances on death. So Two Flowers says, Sometimes I think a man could wander across the disc all his life and not see everything there is to see, said Two Flower. And now it seems there are lots of other worlds as well. When I think I might die without seeing a hundred of all there is to see, it makes me feel, he paused, then added, well, humble, I suppose, and very angry, of course. <laughs> and that's, I feel, that's beautiful. straight, straight Terry, right yeah. there. When I read that, you know, I had to just take a little, a little break to have a, a think and a bit of a cry. No. <laughs> oh, wow. It's a big old world out there. It's a big old world, and no one could ever see it all. Yeah. And and just two flower like two flower is such a gentle person who when he's kidnapped and threatened and nearly stabbed he's just sort of like oh we're getting along fine these are lovely chaps yeah and the only thing that makes him angry is that he he'll never see everything and know everything he just he just wants to see it he just wants to experience things he just and... wants to look at it <laughs> <laughs> and yeah i think that's very terry um, yeah. death, death is an interesting figure in this book. Yeah, I, I feel he, like... he's not like he is in the later books. Yeah, he's more m malicious. Yeah, I feel like in in the early books, death is this malicious, cruel force 
who, if he can't get you and he wants to, he'll get whoever's around you. Yeah. Just to just to try and keep himself happy. Yeah, and he's constantly frustrated by Rincewind. Yeah, which, I mean, he... continues, but, <laughs> but in later books, he's this companion. He's this yeah. gentle... He's always there, and he'll always be there for you, and he's just there to guide you on your journey. Yeah. Like, I think, I think that really... Um, shows terry's relationship with death especially as he got older and yeah got his diagnosis and sort of came to terms with the fact that death was there for him mm. um anyway Ooh. what was your favorite book oh yeah sorry I, to I'm, bring I'm, it down i'm just gonna follow <laughs> that now guys <laughs> all right here we go um my favorite overall part of this whole cockamamie book your what Cockamamie. What's wrong with saying cockamamie? Cockamamie. Is there a funny word in there that you think I should not be saying? Is it to our to our podcast audience out there? Cockamamie River. It's a <laughs> cockamamie book. I've never heard that. You've never heard cockamamie? I'm gonna say this every episode now. All right. Cockamamie. Is it? Okay, I'll look it up later. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite bit? My favorite bit. Yep. Is a series of bits. Not, not just one bit, but more of a concept, really. I, I really liked Terry's way of... His wordcraft, I guess is the right word. Yeah. Um, there's, there's so many bits in there where it's just really great wordcraft. Like, he's describing Hrun the Barbarian, and he says he's practically an academic due to the fact that he could think without moving his lips. Yeah. Or, or like... <laughs> A troll taps another troll on the shoulder and it's described as making a sound like two pebbles. Yeah. <laughs> or, um, yeah, uh, talking about, I think it was Weasel. Uh, he has a quickness of wit that put his acquaintances in mind of a bright rodent. No, that's, that's Rincewind. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah, there's the, so many just little... Just fun little bits. My favourite my favorite bit of this book is all the, is all the fun little wordplay and... Just all the all the little things that just give you a little moment to just <laughs> that's a that's a funny way of saying that. Yeah, it just keeps you smiling. Like the thought never crossed my mind, my lord. Then if I was you, I'd sue my face for slander. Yeah. Just all of that. Yeah. All of that was my favorite part of this book. So like the whole part. The, the, whole, the, the whole book. The whole book is my favorite part of right. this book. Thanks for listening along, everybody. Thank you for recording this podcast with me, Kaylee. I had a great time. Uh, thank you for recording this podcast with me, River. I had a really good time. <laughs> um, so if you want to get in touch with us, um, send us your reviews of The Light Fantastic. Yeah. Um, send us any comments, suggestions. Um, please be nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can email us at ookpod at gmail.com and add us on Twitter at ookpod. And as we always say... G and you, Terry Pratchett. Living on in the clacks. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody.